Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 180. And from the banks of the Pacific Ocean, we have Ryan Moore, the head boys basketball coach at Santa Clara High School in Oxnard, California. Ryan, how far are you away from the Pacific Ocean? Uh, we like to say we're about a nine iron away uh, from from the ocean. We uh, we can feel the ocean breeze every day. We can't quite see it from the, the steps of the gym, but if it takes us longer than five minutes to get there, uh, there's been about three traffic accidents on our way. Yeah, my family and I took a um, big family vacation last summer to Los Angeles, and we spent uh, five or six days out in that area. We didn't get as far north as Oxnard. Uh, we did go up the PCH, and we ate at a really fancy uh, – I will never pay that much money ever again in the rest of my life for a meal. But, you know, we were like, hey, we're only going to be here once with our whole family. Let's do it right if we're going to, you know, go big or go home type of a thing. So I, I looking at the map, I think I got about halfway to Oxnard from uh, from the, the – you know, from the northern part of Los Angeles, that area there. So mm-hmm. I was with, you know, I was within a stone's throw of where you're at uh, uh, we about were, about 10, 11 months ago. Yep, we were just driving down PCH for a tournament last weekend in, in the team van with our team, and our, and our guys were pointing out all those fancy restaurants uh, uh, down the way. I said, man, you guys better start saving now if you want to. <laughs> you know, they were, talk, they were talking about homecoming and prom and this, that. I said, you better start saving now. So, uh uh, I'm sure. I'm sure uh, that was built into the vacation budget. Yeah, uh, I had to sell a little bit of plasma to pay for it. I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you. Sure. You know, I you have know. no doubt. Uh, it, no it's doubt. on. It's on the black market somewhere. So uh, <laughs> it, it, it's it's does it, it can't get old driving down the PCH and just looking out to the ocean, can it? You know, there are several things in coaching that can frustrate you. Uh, um, on a daily basis, new, new things pop up, but driving down uh, PCH is definitely uh, a mental cleanse at times just to relax, uh, reminder that there's a bigger picture out there, and, uh, you know, it's it's never bad watching the sunset over, over the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, as Vanilla Ice once said, do you have your rag top down so your hair can blow? <laughs> uh, well, I, I said goodbye to my hair years ago, <laughs> uh, probably because I was listening to too much Vanilla Ice and shaving lines in the side of my head junior high, uh, against my parents' wishes, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's uh, it's definitely uh, definitely a scene up and down PCH. Uh, it is. It's it's a very interesting place. So, all right, enough enough with uh, you know uh, kayak dot com uh, reviews <laughs> here. So uh, let's jump into the episode. Before we get into the episode, of course, we want to thank our founding sponsor, Cosac Chiropractic, located one hundred and forty fourth and Maple here in Omaha, Nebraska, which is very similar to. Uh, the PCH and scenery and feel and all of that stuff. Uh, coaches, if you are in the Omaha area and if you or any of your athletes are having any balanced neck or spinal issues, have them go see Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi. Uh, check out their uh, check out their practice at Kosak K O S A K Cairo Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. Uh, if you're listening, go to iTunes, download, rate, review, subscribe. It has been a very good summer so far, and we've got a lot more stuff planned. 
but subscribe. Give us five-star reviews. Please help us out. Uh, the more you do that, the, the higher we go in the ratings. When people look up Coaching Basketball Podcast, uh, that's, that's, they, they find a pen and a napkin a lot faster when they do that. So, And, of course, questions, comments, suggestions, ideas, email me at penandanapkin at gmail.com. Go check out a penandanapkin.com. We've got thousands of pages of resources on the, the uh, website. So many good things. We've got the Pen and a Napkin University video library. We've got the Program Vision booklet. We've got a lot of things available. Merchandise. Buy some a pen and a napkin merchandise. All of those good things there. So, uh, Coach Moore, it is a Friday afternoon. It is the day after the draft. Uh, well, not it's it's fr- almost Friday afternoon where I'm at. You're Friday morning, still there in, yep. in California. Um, so just really happy to have you on the podcast, man, and and, and really excited to connect with you. Um, really appreciate you being on. I'm I'm glad to be here. I appreciate you reaching out. Uh, you know, been a long time Twitter follower and a big fan of of the, the resources uh, uh, you share and the the intro- I love the old school. You know, pen and a napkin. I was telling one of my buddies about it this morning he's like man that's what we all used to do when we were sitting around you know after game meet up after games we get the pen and the napkin out and I mm-hmm. said, yep that's uh, that's how i know this is a coaches this is a coaches uh, podcast for for coaches who love coaches well i i appreciate that uh you know it's um uh, i've perfected writing uh legibly somewhat legibly on very flimsy pieces of paper i can assure you of that so uh coach let's get going here today uh you know, Oxnard, California is a long way from Omaha, Nebraska, ball, ne- Nebraska, excuse me. Uh, but it's awesome to hook up with you. Uh, let, let's just start the way that we normally start here. Tell us about your your coaching journey uh, and and how you uh, have uh, stepped up to the helm at uh, Santa Clara High School there in Oxnard. Man, I, I that, that's it's a twisting road as as most coaches uh, as we advance, you know, have, have been on. Um, I started out working uh, at Calabasas High School as an assistant, you know, 22, 23 years old, dumb, working for... Uh, okay, hold on, hold on right there. I, I have to ask, <laughs> I have to ask, and it's embarrassing to say, were, were there any Kardashian sightings? Uh, you know what? I do have a funny story about that, about about the Kardashians when I was at, uh, when I was an assistant at Oaks Christian High School. Uh, we were actually playing Buckley High School, who was then coached by a good friend of mine, Mike Hamilton, um, and you know, filling out the score. Uh, my job as assistant coach to fill out the scorebook before the game in a tournament. And I see number one. I still have the scorebook to this day. I see number one, R. Kardashian, in the scorebook for the other team. And I, I go, Mike, is that OJ's lawyer's kid? And and Mike and I were, were young single guys at the time. And Mike goes. Yeah, and he's the calm one of the bunch. So I said, <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? He goes, he goes, man. He goes, he goes. Those sisters are, and you know, they are. I don't, I don't remember the exact word he used, but inferred that they enjoyed attention and enjoyed the limelight. Gotcha. Long before, long before they had the world's attention on them. Uh huh. Um, see, I hadn't picked up on that since then, but I, I'm glad you made us aware of that. So. <laughs> Uh, uh, all right, so hey, jump back in here. I had to ask the question. So no, that's fair. So I, I was I was working for for Russell White, who is uh, very highly regarded out here on the on the West Coast. But I was working for Russell at a time where where he was younger. He was just starting out as a head coach, trying to build the Calabasas program, which under a few 
head coaches since then is still one of the more respected programs and, and high achieving programs in our area. But Russell really helped. Uh, not he really helped. Russell built that program from zero wins the year before he got there to contending for section titles and being there at a pivotal time and getting to see how a program started trial and error um, and all that was great for me and, and was lucky enough to move on to Oaks Christian, uh, you know, which is more known as a national football powerhouse out here, uh, you know, nationwide and um, was an assistant coach and, and our, our head coach had some issues and, and they let him go midseason and uh, was the interim head coach at 24 years old. Uh, you know, not much older than the guys I was coaching, definitely not much more mature than the guys I was coaching at the mm-hmm. time. Uh, really learned, uh, was fortunate enough to coach uh, the Hornbuckle brothers, uh, all three. I coached two of them, the youngest one, I uh, wasn't there for, but all three of them went on to play uh, Division One basketball at some point. Mike, who I, I coached the most, went on and played at Pepperdine um, and, and had a fantastic career. Uh, you know, was young and thought I knew everything at the time, thought I was going to reinvent the game and, and, and change the way uh, our county and our area saw basketball. And just it was a constant education on uh, what I didn't know. Uh-huh. And and even though we were winning and we were successful, it was so very humbling, you know, when when we would go up against, uh, you know, some bigger, better teams or some more experienced coaches, uh, we may have more, we've had more talent talent probably won us a bunch of those games, but, uh, learning wrinkles of the game and, and, uh, you know, how to manufacture points or how to, how to, you know, out of timeout situations and all that. And, um, left Oaks Christian to be an assistant coach at Simi Valley high school, which was, Already one of the best programs uh, in California at that time, uh, and Christian Aram, the head coach there, uh, became not only an unbelievable mentor and teacher, but but just an unbelievable friend. Was just was just with him. Uh, unfortunately, about a week ago at his brother's memorial for his passing, um, and and I've been texting with Christian through that a little bit. Um, you know, but but really, the getting to go to Simi Valley is where I would say I really started to learn how to coach, um, and and Christian brought me into every phase of the program from fundraising to uh, summer camp to you know scouting, uh, in game management, how to run a tournament, how to you know how to hire a staff, how to how to help your staff improve and. Um, Christian was just an unbelievable resource. We had some unbelievable players there at the time, uh, you know, in little old Simi Valley High School, you know, where we, when we get around and talk about the good old days like we did a, a week or so ago, you know, we we beat the brakes off some guys that are in the NBA now uh, just because Christian did such a wonderful job continuing to build on the culture that the coaches before him, but the belief and the intensity uh, that our guys played with was was I, I haven't seen it before and I haven't seen it since. Um, just un, unbelievable. So then, because we had players, uh, was lucky enough to make some connections and, and build some relationships through their recruiting, uh, and got a chance to to jump to University of San Francisco uh, with Rex Walters uh, and some other guys that have gone on or on our staff that have gone on to just do great things. Uh, got to learn. 
up close and personal from Rex and, and hear wonderful stories of his time at Kansas and with Coach Williams, uh, his time in the NBA. You know, Rex Rex played in college for, for, for Roy Williams mm-hmm. and then pl- played in the NBA for uh, Larry Brown, Chuck Daly, and Pat Riley. Ah, so, not bad. Not a bad yeah, so so the wealth of information we had access to sometimes secondhand, but, but even the, you know, coach Williams came back and visited USF and spent the weekend with us. And, uh, Miami heat, I believe it was the, uh, the strike shortened NBA season when, uh, teams just kind of had training camp in the city. They were opening in for a few days before the Miami heat came and had training camp, uh, at USF because, they were opening at Golden State before that was even really a rivalry in the NBA. But mm-hmm. uh, Coach Spolstra was the video guy when when Rex was there and has some great stories about Rex that, that I probably can't share publicly. Mm-hmm. But but Spo, because he had seen the other side of Rex, really took care of us as a staff at USF. Uh, you know, let us sit in on anything we wanted to sit in on and learn. And that was just the very beginning of that heat wave with with you know, their big three at the time mm-hmm. and getting to, getting to see that Mike Miller and Shane Battier were great with us there. Anyway, uh, got a chance to, to, to really, really learn what the college level was like there and, and having to compete with some behemoths and uh, Gonzaga and, uh, you know, Della Vadova was at St. Mary's at the time. And, uh, you know, BYU was just joining the conference. So yep. learning, yep you know, what those challenges really were at the college level and, and had a chance to leave and kind of come back closer to home and, and be the associate head coach and the recruiting coordinator at Occidental College, a little D3 uh, in Eagle Rock is probably most famous for President Obama, went there for his first two years of college. Um, you know, from there, really had to had to make a, you know, I, I met my wife uh, at what is the tail end of my, my time at Occidental uh, at that time and moved you know on back into the high school ranks which is a level i really enjoy um you know we were lucky enough to coach in in a section final out here which in some other areas you say section final and that's not a big deal but in southern california the section final um it's just such a large section out here Uh, Mm -hmm. i think there's close to, to 600 teams so it's it's getting to the section final is you know, obviously you want to win, but we were lucky enough to take a young group at Chaminade to the section final. Um, you know, had to make some 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 life choices. Got engaged to my wife. Uh, you know, right around that time, and and ended up being the head coach at Moore Park High School. Uh, not too long after that, and uh, was an assistant coach at Heritage Christian, which is a powerhouse out here, uh, with my good friend Paul Tate. Um, was the head coach at Moore Park for four years. And then it was, I was working, like my day job, if you will, I was working for a company called Impact Basketball, who um, their, our, our training facility is in Las Vegas, but our business office was in LA. So I was on the business side mostly with Impact out here, but it, it allowed me to run a program at Moore Park. But really felt like it, I, I needed to be back on a campus to run a program and, mm-hmm. and effectively and continue to build. And the Santa Clara opportunity came around and, uh, in our area, you know, they've got 16 section, we've got 16 section titles and three state titles in our history and, and countless collegiate players. And we're, we're trying to get Santa Clara back to that level. And I think, um, the challenge and, um, you know, the healthy ego, if you will, of, 
of trying to be the staff that, that brings Santa Clara all the way back is uh, is what drew me to where I'm where I'm sitting today. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's uh, let's go through a couple things here. Um, like you said, you, you you faced a situation very early in your career, 24 years old, and you are literally thrust into the head man's job. Uh, probably weren't ready for it. And, uh, so, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of, you know, two or three things that you figured out, Hey, I was really prepared for this part of it. And two or three things that, holy cow, I was not ready for this. And it's something I had to work on in in my skill set to be ready for the next opportunity. I think in, in I, I think there's a cross section of those for me really. I think I think one of the things I was good at and I was prepared for and, and part of it was my age. So I listened to similar music at the time. I you know, uh there wasn't a huge social media presence at the time, uh, you know, but I, I could relate to guys talking. I think it was MySpace at the time. I, I could I could speak their language, uh-huh. if you will. Um I think that also was a downside for me because you know, sometimes you get you got to draw a harder line between coach and friend, mm-hmm. um, and and yep. I think I, I don't I wasn't hanging out with them socially. I, I don't want to give that impression at all. But I was I was probably in practice sometimes way too much of a a friend than a coach mm-hmm. um, uh, to that whole team. And, and there's some guys I still talk to from those teams. Uh, I think one of the things I, I was ready for was, you know, love them up, coach them up, and, and, and was able to demand maximum effort uh, and get our guys to play really hard. But I think I overestimated how how far that could get you. I, I was a terrible X and O's coach at that time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolute. And I don't know that I'm any good now, but uh, I, I don't think I really knew a whole lot of X and O's at that time or – especially counters or how to how to play chess with it and, and run a play in the first quarter so you can get the counter in the in the second quarter or later in the game or mm-hmm. uh, I was just a terrible X and O's coach and thought go 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 you know you just gotta play harder. Any mistake I thought it was because we didn't play hard enough. Yeah. You know it, yeah. it was uh it was a lot of rah rah and probably not enough substance at that time. Mm-hmm. What uh What's maybe the, uh, you know, as you move forward from it, what's the number one thing that you took from being put into that situation? Uh, there was a lot. Man, kids are resilient, number one, because that was a tough situation for them. Uh, you know, that, at that time, coach was, was the only coach in, in school history at that point. And mm-hmm. the school was still relatively young. But the seniors we had had been – they were the first graduating senior class in the history of the school mm-hmm. and or second, excuse me, second. And, but they played every, every varsity game in program history at that point. So, um, if you, I, I really took, if you love kids and you, and you give them a forum and you get an appropriate form and all that, that they'll, they'll respond and they're resilient and they want to, um, they want to prove they can respond, yep. you know, that they're not, they're not going to lay down and not compete. And there is some pride, uh, in, in what they'd accomplished and what, and, and what we continue to accomplish. Uh, I think, uh, you know, a, a, another big thing I learned is that, is that sometimes you've got to make tough decisions 
with kids kids you love because they make a bad decision mm-hmm. uh we we had some kids two starters i'll i'll just never forget and oaks christian is a pretty affluent school um and we have at oaks christian we had something called ski week where school to it's, it's almost like a modified spring break if you will early, like earlier in the second semester and families would take off and go skiing well it's right in the middle of league basketball play getting ready for the playoffs and i told our guys like you can't go on ski week like i don't know what to tell you like we, we just can't we can't have guys missing for a week if, yeah. if we do what we want to do yeah and we had two guys that said they weren't going and went anyway um and so having to and then i love them both they were they were great kids they just kind of made a immature decision and, and working through that and having to uh you know hold the line on discipline um just to continue to build a culture of accountability and, and you know, all the buzz phrases that coaches are going to use on stuff sure. like that. But, yeah. Um, if we were going to move forward and progress there, there had it, we couldn't turn a blind eye to stuff like that. Yep. Same kind of questions, but your, your, your situation at the division one level. So, you, you know, like I said, in a short amount of time, within a few years, you go from interim high school coach to uh, you're at a division one level with a guy that's been with, you know, all the names that you wrote, uh, you know, rattled off there, Larry Brown, Pat Riley, uh, Roy Williams, so forth and so on. And, and it, was, it was just one year at San Francisco, right? Correct. Yeah. You know, so what are some, some big takeaways that you took from, from that circ- uh, that situation? And uh, why was that so invaluable to you? I was, I was waiting for like the secret handshake the whole time. <laughs> like, like <laughs> what's, what don't I know? And not I'm not saying I know everything. I don't mean to give that inference, but sure. like what are what working for guys like Russell White and Christian Rand in, in Southern California, I had access to I mean, I I'd worked with the Pump Brothers and, and coached with them, you know, and worked in their office and just, just had access to to un- but I was waiting for like, okay, what are we gonna do in practice that I've never seen before? I mean, I'd gone and watched college practices and studied and gone to coaching clinics and um, you know, and and really what I took from Rex was we were doing shell drill every day with Rex. We were playing cutthroat every day with Rex. All the same stuff we did uh, at Simi Valley. Now there's, there's different teaching points and there's different mm-hmm. emphasis and there's um, but that the that the emphasis on fundamentals and the basics is ultimately what's important. And you know Rex got that. What, what Rex doesn't get enough credit for as a head coach. And I'll say this till the day I die: was USF had shut down the program oh, yeah. not too long before he got there. I mean, it was still in recent memory. Yep. And so battling back on all that, Rex got that team to point. We we had the first twenty win season in like thirty years at USF. We played in the CBI, which I understand people will want to make jokes about. You know, it's not even the NIT and this that, but that was a huge step forward for USF. We beat Gonzaga at home mm-hmm. and, and, and Danny Green's little brother was shot, hit the winner for us. And it was like the number five play on the top 10 at sports center night. And, and the little, the little restaurant we went to afterwards had sports center on the TV. And every time it came on, you know, it was playing on a loop for an hour. We, we must've been in that restaurant for three hours, <laughs> uh, you know, jumping up and down all night, every time it came on. And, and Rex really created an environment. I, I, I really believe, and I, and I just bumped into Todd Golden uh, in Arizona a couple weeks ago, who, who since moved on to Florida, but um, even Todd acknowledged that, and you know, Rex eventually got that team to the NIT. I say all that, the stuff we were working on, I don't want to say it was the same, but the blueprint had a ton of similarities to successful high school programs, and yeah. that 
that was almost like a big relief for me. Like, okay, I don't, I'm not, do we have to get better players? Yes. Is there an element to recruiting against elite high majors that's totally different? Yes. All that stuff is totally different, but on court and X and O's, a lot more similarities than I was uh, anticipating. I was think I was I was thinking I was br- I was braced for like the X and O's to be complete a completely different language, mm-hmm. and and it was a lot of similarities, a lot of similarities. Coaches are absolutely loving are taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, "Strip the house down to the studs." I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Ryan, one of the things, I, as I was getting ready for today, one of the really cool things that I, I saw in your journey was you have coached professional athletes. Uh, but not in your sport. Uh, in recent years, you've coached two NFL guys, two NFL wide receivers, uh, Michael Wilson, who's who's with the Cardinals, and uh, Drake London, who's a high draft pick with Atlanta. And I, I thought, man, that is, you know, you're fortunate enough to coach. It, it, you you are extremely lucky to to coach one NFL guy in your coaching career as a high school coach. Uh, and you've done it with with two guys very recently. Now you're in a high population area and things like that, so the likelihood of that is a little bit, you know, slightly higher. But still, nonetheless, it's it's really cool. And 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 one of the things I wanted to ask you about is obviously there's athleticism there that you have nothing to do with. It's just the athletic gods hit kids with bowl of lightning, and they say you are just better than everybody else. But at the same time. Uh, you know, there's things that go into the coaching with it. And, and one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, is, you know, how do you coach kids whose motor and uh, drive matches that high-level uh, athleticism? I mean, you're talking the best of the best of the best to even be considered for that level. Uh, what was it like? And again, you weren't coaching them in their main sport, but they had to be invested in what they were doing. So just tell us a little bit about what you observed by coaching these these two kids that are now uh, cashing checks on Sunday afternoons. Well, I got I got to stick up for my guy Drake here because he he always gets offended uh, when people refer to basketball as not his main sport. I I am of the mindset and of the firm belief, and I I, I have uh, been in dumb Twitter fights over it. Uh, um, on just how talented a basketball player Drake was, oh, and I'm sure they were both tremendous basketball players. I'm not oh, uh, not taking anything away from that. I know, I know you're that. not. Yeah. I know you're not. He, you're you're 100 right, and he he chose the right path um, uh, to make a lot of money for he and his family and and to succeed uh, absolutely. Uh, but Drake in high school would always be offended, and his and his parents were adamant that he had not chosen 
which one was going to be the priority in college. And it, and it led to some really interesting conversations with, with recruiters. Uh, Mike was a little bit different. Uh, Mike, football was very clearly first. Uh-huh. Um, and my, I've never, I, they, they share a ton in common in terms of work ethic, personality, demeanor, uh, uh, character, all that is, is just off the charts. But where Mike was a little bit different, Mike wanted to be, um, you know, an ultimate competitor just like Drake did. But, but Mike, Mike came into my office uh, when, we, when we were talking and he said, look, I'm either going to Stanford or Notre Dame for football, whichever one offers first. And this is when he's a sophomore in high school. Mm-hmm. Whichever one offers first, coach, that's where I'm going. And I just want you to know that may mean I'm out my senior year. I'm not sure yet. You know, Mike, Mike – was very clear on what path he wanted to choose. Drake was very clear that he was going to keep both paths open uh, as long as possible. So how do you coach that? Man, you you could throw everything at both of those guys and they would they would eat it up with a smile. Well, mm-hmm. not o- not always with a smile, but yeah. eventually a smirk and a smile. Uh, challenging those guys to be leaders, um, you know, our, our group text from, from our staff that, that was at Chaminade with, with Mike Wilson got fired up uh, during the Final Four because Matt Bradley at San Diego State, who had a heck of a, a career for them, they were very young in high school. and We played them in the first round of the playoffs on, on what turned out to be a great playoff run for us. And Mike did very well against uh-huh. Matt Bradley. Uh, there's a clip of another kid on, on San Bernardino taking a shot, and Matt Bradley's trying to crash from the weak side. He was, he was going to... He's going to put that thing down above the rim, and Mike just lowers his shoulder. You know, it's a little bit of a football blockout right there. Coach Izzo <laughs> probably would have been proud. But, um, you know, Mike just – and Mike wasn't as big – you know, still isn't as big as Matt Bradley. Um, but Mike just was the ultimate competitor like that and would lay his body on the line for the team, and, and Drake would do the same. Um, Drake is a freak athlete that you could – I mean – we, we could draw our, our, we, we had a couple you know false action you know teams would try to zone us and, and gimmick it and, and some false action backdoor lobs to Drake and and our one guy couldn't throw that pass too high I yeah mean, one time I, th- I thought that thing was going above the backboard the way he threw it and Drake went up and got it um, and and that was just Drake there was yeah, I mean Drake would dive on the floor he led our team in charges that year too oh, uh, wow. drawn yeah. drawn not given uh, yeah but uh, that was just Drake I mean he could jump out of the gym and he'd lay his body on the line. Mm-hmm. Even with a full-ride scholarship to SC to play football, already got done deal. He's out there mixing it up. Uh, you know, he, he wasn't saving himself or doing the I-can't-get-hurt routine mm-hmm. uh, that so many guys do these days. Yeah. Uh, you talking about that lob pass and you thought it was too high and he still got it. That sounds a lot like the way people used to describe my game back in the late eighties <laughs> and early nineties. So uh, it was it was a nerf hoop, but we're not going to get into details. So you know, if you've got to put your hand on the ceiling and brace for impact, uh, uh, you know, you're you're among the elite on the on the nerf level for sure. <laughs> exactly. So uh, l- let's talk about your current gig. Uh, you know, Santa Clara uh, Powerhouse. Uh, we talked about this. Before I'm going to nail this here, uh, legendary coach Lou Sianovich. Absolutely. Nailed it. Yes. All right. Uh, over 800 wins, 40 plus years at the school. Highly successful. You're coming in here. Uh, it's a bit of a rebuild. It's a bit of a real bit rebuild at a program that has expectations. So, 
lay out the blueprint here, Ryan. Um, as you're stepping into here in the first year or two, what have you been focusing on? Uh, what what if, as you as you step into it, what do you see as the two or three most important things that you think you need to do as the head coach of this program to try to get it back to where it once was? I think number one is, uh, and I think, you know, I, I keep talking about X and O's and, and, and that's great, but we all know, you know, the cliche, it's the Jimmy's and Joe's and, and, and you got to get players and you got to do it the right way. Um, uh, got to attract talent. And I think that's one of the things coach C was so masterful at was that Santa Clara was a destination, uh, for people at the time. And he had, I mean, I, I grew up, uh, about, 40 minutes south of Santa Clara and, and I knew who Santa Clara was. We played them in my high school and summer leagues all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, when I started coaching at Oaks Christian, we were in the same league as Santa Clara coach. C had just retired, uh, but he was still a a massive presence on that campus and at games. And we got to make Santa Clara a destination. And I think the number one way to do that, I I think at any level I've ever been at your best, your best recruiters are your current players. If they're, Mm -hmm. They don't, always, they don't always have to be happy in terms of, hey, today was the most fun practice we ever had. But if they understand the purpose and they understand the vision and they understand why they're being challenged, they're going to they're going to that that attitude is even just going to spread naturally through the community. And I think we need to get back to uh, Santa Clara being a destination, being a crown jewel of our community. Uh, we have a wonderful administration who has uh, a, a clear vision and a commitment to that and they support us uh bringing in families and, and young men who are, who are on mission for the school and for the program uh, i think that's incredibly important when you attract talent i don't know how it is all over the country but i know from what i see on social media mirrors what's going on in southern california you get a lot of what i call athletic mercenaries that yep uh you know they'll transfer three four or five times they'll uh they don't really give a rip about the the mission of the school. They just want the best financial deal at various private schools and try to play each private school against each other. And so we really try to stay out of that um, and find people that believe in what we're trying to do, believe in, in our current players, believe in the school, uh, believe in our administration, believe in our coaching staff, and believe in, in, in their future teammates uh, that, that they're about to join. So uh, I think that's number one is, is attract talent. Um make it a destination again. I think, too, we need to get back to scheduling like Coach C did, and and we run a Thanksgiving tournament out here that's named after him, and I think that's getting us back. We've got some super high-end teams in Southern California coming in this year to play, and and Coach C, you know, played played anyone, anytime, anywhere, and Mm -hmm. and that was um, another reason why they were able to attract talent because while being a smaller Catholic school, you know, they were playing large public schools, yep. you know, all, all throughout uh, preseason tournaments and, and non-league games and, and all that. So attracting talent, getting back to scheduling, and and three, just, just playing with pride. And I think our group this year really did that. I don't mean to say they didn't. We, we had some great young men uh, that really started playing with pride on, on, in the program again. And um, we we were short-stacked a little bit at times, our, our leading you know, our sophomore who averaged a double double, his appendix burst with with two weeks to go in the Ooh. year. Um, you know, we didn't have much depth to overcome it, and so it was kind of a things were just starting to get where we could make a little bit of a push to get into the postseason. We just didn't have the depth to overcome that. But our guys played incredibly hard down the stretch for each other, and I think um, 
you know, that enables us to go back to the first point in terms of making it a destination where people want to be. I think that resonates with people uh, mm-hmm. when, when they see kids play that way. Let's, let's talk a little bit about networking and the importance of building a good network with other coaches, having a, a, your name out there. Uh, I, 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 I think, you know, building, as you're talking about building the reputation with your school, and uh, it also, you need to build your own reputation as a coach to have you be a reputable guy. Let's say you do get in a situation where, you know, such and such kid is, is unhappy at West High, and the West High coach goes, well, hey, I'm sorry that, you know, what for whatever reason you may be leaving, but if you go to Santa Clara, I know Coach Moore is going to treat you the right way. Or, you know, we, we all... We, we all can't we, we can't fly solo on any of this mm-hmm. stuff it's it's important to have that network to have people to lean on so forth and so on just tell us you know kind of you know what you've done to build your network why it's so important to you uh i i think one of the great things was, was like i said when i worked for christian ran at Timmy valley and, and we had players obviously that brings coaches into the gym but christian was the kind of head coach that never cared about his name being in the headline or him being the center of attention. So when college coaches would come into the gym, you know, he'd make sure he introduced me. Uh, so I got to meet guys, you know, at various stages in their career. Some guys I call friends now. I met. That's the first time I met Rex was, uh, you know, coming through the senior high gym uh, and got to know him through the process. And I think, I think one of the things is, is building genuine relationships because everybody, you know, I I was just texting with Rex and, and another buddy from our staff the other day. And, you know, we're all at different points in our career now, but it's easy to text Rex when he's the head coach at USF um, and all that. And he's an assistant in the NBA now, which is yeah. an unbelievable job, but sure. you know, he's not, he's not on the headlines. There's not, you know, social media and just, just building genuine relationships with guys that come through, making sure you keep up with their teams. When you have conversations, at least know something that's going on with their team. So you're not just talking about yourself and your team uh, the whole time. I think that's one of my pet peeves when you bump into guys and you get the, you get their, their resume from the last time you saw them till now, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and so genuine relationship, you know, even if it's just a, uh, uh if it's just shooting a text after you see it on, on the, you know, if you're watching film at night or you're getting done after game and you see the ticker, you know, on ESPN and somebody got a big win, shooting a text and letting them know you're rooting for them or a tough loss. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Hey, just, just saw the end of the game, man, hang in there, you know, keep battling, keep pushing for stuff like that. And then when they do it to you, you know, you're onto something and then, you know, you can grab a burger and a soda over the summer when things are a little more relaxed and you're at, everybody's out on the road. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, making sure you check in on other people uh, is incredibly important. I think uh, one of the things I try to do is, is I, while promoting our guys at the appropriate college level, if that's what they want to do, you know, helping other guys in your area, um, you know, with guys you know that maybe their head coach doesn't, and not overstepping bounds or trying to, you know, insert yourself into the situation, um, but just passing along a tip here and there, hey, I know, I know you recruit these kind of kids and you play this, you know, you run the Princeton and this kid's unbelievable in the high post and, um, you know, stuff like that, um, I think really helps over the years. And then you build trust and guys come through your gym, whether you've got a player or not. And I try to do that with, with our assistant coach now, Josh Latimer, who I think is going to be an unbelievable head coach someday. 
Uh, I got he just got passed over for a head coaching job that I think he would have been phenomenal at. Um, but telling him, you know, just keep keep pushing forward, keep building relationships, and he's done a wonderful job at that. Uh, if you will, networking through my network, if you will, the same way I network through Christian's network and um, and kind of building your own through that, I think is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Coaches, do you want to look good? Pfft, stupid question. Of course you want to look good. We all want to look good. You know what's the best way to look good? Buying yourself some a pen and a napkin merchandise. We've got some really, really good-looking stuff here. We've got T-shirts and sweatshirts, and you are not going to regret picking that up. T-shirts are $22 a piece. Sweatshirts are $30 a piece. If I need to mail it to you, it's just $5 shipping and handling to get this good-looking stuff out to you. Coaches, I appreciate all that you've done for me over the last three years or so with a pen and a napkin. I hope I've been able to help you out. Might as well come out and help out the Twitter handle and the podcast by ordering some a pen and a napkin merchandise. And like I said, you get to look good. If you're interested in ordering, you can DM me on Twitter at a pen and a napkin, send me a direct message, or you can email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, and I'll get you those ordering details so that you can order some a pen and a napkin merchandise. All right, Ryan, at, at this point of the pod, we uh, jump into the John Wooden quote of the day here. And so we have Wooden's A Lifetime of Observations, the you know one of the must-reads of any coach at any level at any time. And so I've got a Wooden quote here for you, and I'm going to read it off and you know give you a chance to, to, to chat about it. So, Coach Moore, are you ready for the John Wooden quote of the day? I am. I actually coached John Wooden's great-grandson at oh. Simi High School, Tyler awesome. Trapani, who walked in. I just saw his parents at, at the memorial uh, for Christian's brother uh, a week or so ago. So I am. I was lucky enough to have dinner with Coach Wooden a couple times through that. Uh, unbelievable. I'm excited to hear the quote you've chosen. All right. So, well, God, that's, man, now you're putting pressure on me. Now I, now I feel <laughs> it. So, uh, From Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations, from page 88, the John Wooden quote of the day is, Competitiveness must be focused exclusively on the process of what you are doing rather than the result of that effort. I think someone who is too competitive as an individual is overly worried about the final score. I think that speaks to my career. I'm glad you chose that one. I think that speaks perfectly um, selfishly to me. Um, I think early in my career I was I was way too... If we won, then everything must have gone right. Yep. And if we lost, then everything must have gone wrong. Mm-hmm. And 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 lost myself. I, I was terrible earlier in my career. At if we won, I, I wouldn't watch tape, or at least I, I wouldn't watch tape as much, um, and find out where we screwed up and, and correct those mistakes. And I let winning become uh, not a bandaid, but like makeup. It was, it was a false reality. Uh-huh. And so I I think, uh, and because I was. I still am uber competitive. Uh, I think that's one of my strengths and weaknesses. But uh, because you're so competitive, you let that win. You you know, winning is a drug for for for, for us coaches, and, mm-hmm. and you let that you let that drug fool you into a false false sense of security. Um, and so I think I think being process driven is is definitely something that it was a maturity point for me. Um, I think it's something I still try to focus on that, that the end result 
doesn't change our process or, or if it does, it has to be because of what we learned. And so the process is really just evolving at that point. We're not, we're not charting a new course. Um, we're, we're staying invested in that process. Mm-hmm. I, I think that one of the things, and, and you and I, uh, to a degree, are in the same situation in that we're both rebuilding programs. And one of the things that was really freeing for me uh, when I took over my current situation, I came from a situation where you had to win, you had to win, you had to win. If you didn't go to the state tournament, it felt like a failure, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And when I took over, it was just a focus on, okay, we just have to get better every day. And absolutely not worrying about the winning and the losing because there was not a huge expectation of winning and losing we just wanted to make progress we just wanted to get better setting championship standards establishing a championship culture etc and and it was it was even yesterday at a, we we were at a team camp it's playing up to the standard the scoreboard doesn't matter it's playing up to the standard of how we want to play one possession at a time and then if you really switch that mindset of thinking in that fashion, then the winning and losing takes care of itself. And I think sometimes people flip the script. Uh, well, we've got to win in order to have these standards and culture and all this. No, you set the culture, you set the standard, you do all these things, and then the winning and losing will take care of itself. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, you, it warms my soul to hear you use that phrasing and stuff. Uh, there were times this year... Um, you know, Coach Lab was sitting next to me and was was very frustrated, and, and we were we were all frustrated. The game wasn't going the way we wanted to go. Sure, but our go- our guys were playing their butts off for us. They, yep. they really were. They were giving us everything they physically and mentally had. Um, you know, every, and, and if they weren't, quick reminder, and they were right back to it. We didn't have any any issues with that. We were just physically out talented and overmatched at times while trying to build this thing back and. And and I you know I would just keep reminding Coach Ladd like like look they're they're trying they're giving us yep. what they got and that's all we can ask of them like yep. that, and that's our job for I said whether you know I, I told him at one point whether we've got three six eight wings and you know and a seven footer in, in the pivot post and, and this that and the other like you know we're gonna have to demand the same level of excellence when we get to that level yeah. someday and the same level of effort from those guys these guys are giving us maximum effort we just we're young and we're inexperienced and, and we've got two seniors out there that, that have some experience that are just dying on the vine. If you will, they, they yeah. were, they were giving us everything they had. They just, we didn't have a lot of firepower around them at times. And, uh, you know, staying involved and invested, like you said, the yep. standard has got to be the standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whether you're winning, losing or, or, or working your way towards either you, you, you gotta, you gotta hold that line. I, I firmly believe that as well. Well, and you were you were talking about, and again, you're in a, a highly suburban area. You're in a high population area, and you're talking about attracting kids to help with the rebuild and, and that type of thing. Uh, you attract those kids by holding high standards because high standard people. You know what's the old Kobe quote? And I'm and I apologize, you being an LA guy, that I'm going to butcher a Kobe quote, but something along the lines of you know highly motivated people don't have a lot of patience for people who don't want to work hard, who don't have a motor, what, what, whatever Kobe said in that regard. Absolutely. You know, and when you are trying to 
reach that level, you first have to establish that this is going to be the level. We may not be winning, but we are not going to accept anything less than this. And then when you establish that and you implement that and you continually emphasize it, and like you said, I love the, the, the phrase you use there, when you hold the line on those things, when you're challenged by it, when it gets hard, then you're going to bring in the people that really have the the physical talent along with the uh, the character and the work ethic that are going to bring those two things together that we all know that's what you need to be successful. Yeah, it's not one or the other. It's it's no no like you were talking about with Rex. It's no magical formula. It's no secret handshake. We all need the same thing. And but you but you draw that in by doing that from the get go. Yeah, and that's I mean, uh, I'm glad you brought Rex back in there. That's that's one of the things I really was so impressed with. You hear all the negative stuff on the college level um you know gets publicized and and everything that could be potentially wrong with college sports and this that and the other and I, and I hear you know coach k sound clip from the 90s all the time you know everyone who says college sports are bad i want i want to go you know i want to whack everyone who says that you know college sports are great and that was so refreshing to me is that rex held our guys accountable mm-hmm. and he he held that line and so if, if if you can do it at that level trying to beat saint mary's and gonzaga and all that we, we can do it at Santa Clara High School. And, uh, you know, we, we've met with some families this year, and, and their their kids are talented. There's there's no doubt about it, but it's just some of the questions. When your first question is, well, what scholarship are you offering? Mm-hmm. That's kind of like a big red flag for me. Like, yep. hold on, we, we need to be invested in the school. We need to be invested in each other here. Yeah. You know, let's let's get through making sure we're a good fit then let's work through the financial aid process appropriately you go handle that with the business office i got no say in that um you know it's almost like a mini fafsa mm-hmm. at the high school level yep and been there done that yep yeah so so when people start going well my kid's good are you gonna offer them a scholarship well no we don't work like that and just because all the dads you know want to puff their chest out at, at aau or club basketball games i mean i literally i i, I coach lad coaches a junior high team and i went and watched them play and I sat next to a dad who had no idea who I was, which is good. And he was talking about, well, Crespi offered my son a full scholarship. Well, he has no idea that my little brother's the head coach at Crespi, and we're both alums of Crespi. And one of the groomsmen at my wedding is the athletic director at Crespi. And I know 100% for a fact that's not how Crespi works. <laughs> yep. But he just yeah. he just wanted to puff his chest out, uh, you know, in front of another dad, and that perpetuates itself. And then they go, well, they're getting a scholarship over there. I want a scholarship over here. And yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm rambling on on a on a tangent here, which I tend to do, but. Um, attracting on mission uh, uh, is a huge deal as part of that process. Yep. Well, let's let's jump into some of your philosophy, Ryan. Here, uh, l- let's talk about. Let's jump into pressure, D man. Uh, that's one of the things that you said you're willing to talk about. Uh, so, so let's talk a little bit about pressure defense. What you like to do? What you want to be able to do? How do you teach it? What are maybe some drills? A- at this point of the pod, coach, I just try to. You know, let you go, and when I need to interrupt, and probably at some point I will, I will, I will try to do it as politely as possible. But uh, tell us a little bit about your pressure defense philosophy, what you try to do, what you want to do, what you're trying to accomplish with it, and, and how you implement it, and what and what you like to run. So, you know, there's only like 12 questions in that uh, 30 seconds there. So try to try to do <laughs> the best with that that you can. So. Uh, it's evolved for me over the years. I think like most coaches or, or most, you know, most coaches that want to be successful, you've got to 
you've got to evolve. And so, like I, I said earlier, when I was Oaks Christian, I just thought every mistake we made was from a lack of effort. So we were going to try to press and trap and run and jump and really uh, heavy Rick Pitino influence at that time. Yep. Uh, def- deflections were a big deal. Mike Dunlap, uh, who who got his start coaching at, at a Division three school right down the road here at Cal Lutheran, uh, was a big influence. He was at Metro State at the time, having a ton of success with pressure oh, yeah. defense. Yep. Um, and uh, Mike since gone on to be a Division One head coach, his coach, uh, pro pro head coach. Uh, he's just you know an NBA assistant, and on and on. And Former on guest it. of a pit and a napkin. Yes. Well, so. okay. I see that. I got to go back and check that one out then, because yep. I'm I'm a big I'm a big coach Dunlap fan, uh, even just as as a person. Um, but so really at a young age, understanding the effort it took to play that style for 32 minutes in high school, uh, and the conditioning it took was, it was a big part of that. As I got to Simi Valley and, and started to evolve as a coach a lot more, I was lucky enough that Simi Valley had always had size before I got there. I mean, they had, they had seven footers, six, eight, six, nine guys all going to division one schools, um, over the years. And kind of my going into my second year there, sitting next to Christian at, at the uh, championship basketball clinic. Everybody calls a Nike clinic out in Las Vegas um, that, that Ed Janka, who, who yep. unfortunately just passed away, put together for years. But we're sitting up in the top of the stands. And I said, well, I kind of ran a one-three. He, Christian's going, we don't have any size. I don't think we're going to be able to just sit back and, you know, force one tough shot and, and, and we're going to clean it up and get out and go. Um said what are we going to do i said well we kind of ran a one three one trap at oaks you know that helped us create some possessions and this that and the other and christian and christian goes yeah we need to create more possessions he goes a couple years ago we got our butts kicked in the state playoffs by clovis west uh and and vance and he goes we had dudes but they just kept running waves at us he goes maybe we'll go see what vance does and that was like if if i look back on it now that was such a pivotal moment in my Mm -hmm. career uh, you know, kind of adopting Vance's philosophy and evolving it over the years, but getting to learn his pressure defense. Because initially, I think like a lot of people, we we thought we wanted to learn Vance's offense, and Vance will tell you that you don't don't you you want to learn the defense. It's what you want to learn if you want to get more shots and create tempo and this that and the other. And, mm-hmm. um, really running the quarters. Uh, it looks like a two-two-one press, um, but it's it's very much a man-to-man with run and jump. You know principles. We try to trap. A big thing for us is we never trap eyes. Uh, we don't want the trap to come from the front. We want the trap to come from the back. We don't want to see it coming. And then making sure our guys, you know, never trap eyes and don't play backwards. Play forwards is a big thing for us. I, I tell guys all the time. I'd rather have you make a mistake going a million miles per hour forward than standing there flat footed uh, guessing. You know, getting caught in a two on one. I say go for the steal. Uh, don't get caught in no man's there. land. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And and so, don't get don't don't stand there watching. Go for it. Create a deflection. Create a loose ball. Even if you can't get the deflection, if you can create a uh, you know a, a bad vision angle on the guy catching him, maybe he fumbles it. We can we can you know uh, we can sprint back and cause something on the backside there. Mm-hmm. But um, that that's a a big thing. And then and then heat on the ball. You can't do all that unless you're unless you're making that ball handler. Uh, bounce it, and you know he can't just sit back there and dissect you with a couple of couple of passes. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, so you've piqued my interest, Ryan, because we're we're kindred spirits here. A lot of Patino stuff, uh, like a two-two-one run and jump backside. That's kind of what we're hanging our hat on. Uh, so, so my next question to you, both for our listeners, and and I'm I'm going to be honest, very selfishly, how are you breaking that down in practice? How are you teaching that? So, so if you had asked me this seven, eight years ago, maybe a little longer than that, I'm getting, I'm aging quicker than I think. But when we're, we were first learning, we're, we're Vance, seasoned and experienced on a pen and a napkin. Seasoned there and experienced. Yeah. Uh, Vance refused. Like you had to go. We were lucky enough. Remy McCarthy, who was longtime junior college coach at Moore Park College out here, was friends with Vance and was running all Vance's stuff. So we went right down the street. We learned what we could learn from Remy first. And then Vance had just gotten a Pepperdine job at the time. Remy, you know, vouched for us that, hey, Vance, these guys are worth teaching. And Pepperdine was about to go on a foreign trip. So they were doing two-a-days as they were trying to install the system. So Vance let us watch anything and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I say all that, Vance wouldn't sell anything at the time. Like, he, he wouldn't, he would speak at a few clinics here and there, but he wasn't, the DVDs weren't out for sale yet. Um and he was real protective of it because it was – and he'll admit that he took things from just about everybody, from Bobby Knight to Rick Pitino to, yep. you know, whoever. Yep. Um, but it was his stuff, and it, and it was kind of his version of everybody's stuff. And so we were real lucky to learn it. So I, 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 for so long, people would ask me dribble drive stuff or pressure defense stuff, and I'd say, you got to go ask Remy. you got to go ask, you know, Bob Burton or Vance or those guys that, that that's their stuff. It's not my stuff. Now that they've – open it up to the public i'm a little more comfortable discussing but i always give the disclaimer that it, it, it's it's very much rooted in vance's stuff how do we do it vance's blood 45 drills are essential for us the texas series uh is essential for us uh in terms of getting our eyes to just create a frenzy uh create a expectation that on a made bucket they're jumping into deny or they're jump you know uh they're they're, they're jumping into their quarter uh, defensively right there uh, and then building the press through the Texas series uh, I think has been uh, incredibly successful for us you know we have two hour practices and you know Vance has access to his guys it seems like 12 hours a day at the high school level being back at Clovis from a, a buddy of mine his son plays for him right now so I just talked to him yesterday and he's like yeah you know they they shoot free throws every day at lunch and they, they come in in zero period and they lift and then they've got shooting at the school and then practice starts. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that's all great. So I, I got to pick and choose a little bit of, of yeah. what we can actually do. I, I wish we had uh, the infrastructure that Clovis West has uh, uh, for boys basketball, but I'm, I'm happy with what we got. Um, but that blood series uh, is essential uh, for doing it. I think I saw, you know, at one point, the first time when Vance sold the, the DVDs for the first time with, with the championship basketball products or whatever, mm-hmm. I think I think within a month it was the highest selling in history at that point, uh, only because it had been kept a secret for so long. <laughs> um, and I think people finally wanted to see, you know, what were the ingredients that went into the, the final recipe. Um, and so I, I, I can't the best teams I've coached when we get into practice, they, and they know, you know, it's not just a, an hour fall workout or something. We're, we're, we're getting close to the regular season and we're starting to mirror real practices and this, that, and the other. And they know the blood series is coming up. I mean, the best teams I've ever coached are like frothing at the mouth to mm-hmm. compete and, and 
just get ready to go and it just builds such an intensity in your group uh when it resonates with them uh that i think it, it not only allows you to teach your your defensive principles but it allows you to teach that you know that like early in my career where we're that effort is just so paramount to everything now you get to you get to marry that to the x and o's and the and the uh the execution of mm-hmm. or how to harness that effort mm-hmm. well let, let, let's piggyback on that if you're pressuring and looking to attack and you're running and jumping and doing those type of things obviously you want to play at a high pace you want possessions possessions tips run outs uh make the game fast and and to to piggyback on that, let's jump the uh, on another topic that you were willing to talk about, which is your transition offensive philosophy. So, same type of thing, uh, Ryan. You know, what are you what are you looking for there when it comes to uh, tips, run out, or you know, once you get that run out, or God forbid, it's like I joke with our girls. At some point, girls, somebody might score on us, so we've got to figure out what we're going to do after they score on us. So, uh, what are you doing there? Uh, in your transition offensive philosophy, what are you teaching? What are you doing to drill it, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, I think the biggest thing we do is to, we try to run on makes, and unfor- unfortunately, we just there were too many makes we were trying to run on this year. <laughs> uh, I hear you, brother. I hear you. I think uh, I think Kevin Love has set an outstanding uh, what is he the modern day Wes Unseld in terms of outlet passes. Yep. Um, but if you if you go watch Kevin Love from high school to UCLA to anywhere in the pros. You know, he's so great at understanding who's open, where they're trying to get it, but he gets that one foot down and can fire a pass. You know, now against pressure and at the high school level, you're going to have to get set and, yep. and all that. One foot may not be the best way to get out of bounds sometimes, but we really teach our point guard to get his butt to the sideline in a hurry and get that ball on a curl up the floor. And it's, it's because I, I, my date, my references are becoming uh, like what you call seasoned yes. uh, these days. But I think Jay Williams, when he was at Duke, did such an outstanding job getting that ball on a curl. Yep. Uh, you know, and, 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 and so our first thing is we want to, we want to get that ball on a curl. And the first thing we want him to do is make sure he's catching with his head up because if that wing is open, we want that thing flying up the floor, uh, up the wing. And if that wing's not open, then picking point of attack and going from there and, and getting our, you know, getting a rim runner out in front, I think incredibly important to, to make the defense honor the paint, which opens up the pass up the wing, um, you know, I think the rim sprinter is a it's a lost art at the lower le- if you will, at our level at high school sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, I we've seen a bunch of guys at the highest levels make a ton of money being a rim sprinter and a rebounder. I think Clint Capella, one of the more famous recent ones, yep. um, you know, made himself a ton of money in the pros doing that. Uh, you know, Bam is a little more skilled, but but. You know, as a rim sprinter stretches their defense, you yeah. know, the defense and makes them honor the paint and get it up the wing. Mm-hmm. I, I think making sure old school uh, Dwight Howard when he was yes. motivated to get there, yes. could yes, he, he could wreak havoc on that rim run? Yep. Yes, and uh, you know we, we we stress dribble efficiency with our guys, and we do that in every drill. We we try to limit dribbles, and then we're at the point now. I'm, I'm proud of our guys at Santa Clara where I don't have to say when we're running certain things like hey you got to get there in one dribble they, they just know especially if we're doing two on oh three on oh building stuff uh you know it may take two in a game because you get bumped or whatever but we're gonna we're gonna perfect it off one here so so you know what being dribble efficient really looks like and if you throw it up the wing and then that guy takes three dribbles to go six seven feet i think you've really compromised 
the early intensity at that of the break at that point. And so you've got to, you know, we keep talking about rewarding the effort, rewarding the effort, hit the rim sprinter, you know, don't, don't take three dribbles. We get, we got it out of the rim and up the floor in two, three seconds. That doesn't, now you can't take, you can't double that time, if you will, with the ball in your hands, quick, efficient decisions, you know, finding guys. We show guys all the rotations in, in the offense. And, and one of our, one of our younger guys last year, when we were showing it to him, we're walking through, he, he literally, and we joke about it now, he literally used the phrase. He said, coach, I'm flabbergasted. Like this stuff is open. <laughs> and I said, yeah, but it's not open if you do it slow. And I'm not telling you it's yeah. easy to find these guys. Like you got to cut hard. You got to move hard. You yeah. got to drive it hard and, uh, to create these openings uh-huh. um, and, and on and on and on. And, and they joke with him about using the word flabbergasted still to this yeah. day. <laughs> but, um, but really, really trying to get your point. I think it starts with your inbounder and your point guard understanding that if we're if we're going to run this offense and take some of these shots, we're going to have to get more possessions, and and a lot of that starts on the defensive end. But it starts with the pace you're willing to inflict. And then sometimes when we were, we knew we were going to be out talented this year on paper. One of the points we stress is: look, the harder you go at them on offense, the more you make them defend side to side, even more you make them sprint back. You're cutting their legs out on the offensive end, mm-hmm. and we're gonna we're gonna try to be in better shape than them and, and attack that so so physically when the game starts wearing on all of us that we're not giving out mentally too and I said yeah. maybe we can make them miss a couple of shots here and there because because their legs are given out a little earlier than usual so you, you know one of the things that I that I'm hearing without you saying it Ryan is coaching the mentality of playing really really hard and really really fast like in, in the sense of Everybody, every kid says, "I want to play fast. I want to get out and run. We want to play fast break ball. We don't, you know, we don't want to run a bunch of set plays. Let us, let us go, coach." Okay, that's cool, man. Uh, here's what you're going to have to do, and here's how we're going to have to practice, and here's how hard you're going to have to work to give. Let me give you the freedom to do that when we get into the competition, when they turn the lights on and we pull the bleachers out. Are you willing to do that? And I think there's a monumental divide in a lot of different places uh, where the players say that they want to do that and then they have to realize what they have to do in order to get that. And then coaches who say, we want to press, we want to run, we want to get out in transition, we want to do this, we want to do that. But then the commitment level you have to have to it in order to make it happen is also uh, a, a pretty big divide. And you know how stubborn do you have to be you got to be a little bit stubborn, a little bit crazy to do this. So I, I think we're both a little bit stubborn, a little bit crazy, Ryan. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading in between the lines here a little no, bit too much. You're, I, I, well, it's funny. My wife, and this, my wife and I, God love her, and, and she's earned her place in heaven tenfold already uh, by dealing with me the last seven years here. But uh, she, she, she and I were joking about who was more stubborn the other day. <laughs> And uh, it was towards the end of the evening, and we we're getting the boys ready for bed. And we normally FaceTime with my mom, and and she goes, "Ask your mom, ask your mom." And my mom loves my wife, and she's a sweetheart, and and this, that, and the other. And I said, "Mom, who who do you think is more stubborn, me or Elizabeth?" And my mom laughed, and I said, "I didn't know it was so funny." She looked at me, she said, "Ryan, you're the most stubborn person I've ever met in my 70 years on this planet." And and so I, I agree with you a thousand percent that you've got to be. 
you can't let up. It, it goes back to the standard and holding the line. And our conditioning is what it is and our lifting is what it is. And the way we practice is what it is because it all builds into letting you succeed when the lights come on, if you will. And, uh, you know, my, my dear friend, Ryan Bradshaw, who we were assistants at Simi Valley together, his, he grew up at Simi Valley High. He was a ball boy when his dad was the coach. Uh, he was a player for Christian. He was an assistant coach for Christian, eventually took over as head coach. He's not out of coaching, but he was just joking the other day. He said, I have yet to hear a newly hired coach say, we're going to play really slow and deliberate next year. <laughs> he goes, everybody comes in saying we're going to play fast. And, and, and he's right. And then, it, but like what you said, it comes down to that belief and that reinforcement and that, that stubbornness and unflinching uh, belief in, in the standard being what it is. And this is what it takes. And um, because I've, I've seen it work and I've seen it work with different personnel groupings and different personalities and all kinds of different mixes, I, I think you can out effort people in a 32 minute game in high school uh, you know some some I've seen I've seen just supremely talented teams wilt against that unflinching pursuit of that standard a pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin video library. You know, that's kind of funny that you tell the stubborn story. Uh, my wife has accused me of being a little bit stubborn, and I think I've told this story on the pod before, but uh, I- I've told her, you know, I'm not stubborn. I- I'm more than willing to admit when I am wrong, um, but if I think I'm right, I'm right, but if if I'm wrong, I will really admit that I'm wrong. So I don't really consider that to be stubborn. And my wife said, "Well, you think you're right a lot of the time." And I was like, uh, "Yeah, maybe I am guilty of that a little bit." I we, don't are, know. we are so. definitely kindred spirits in that <laughs> regard, my brother. <laughs> so uh, hey, let's let's bring it home on this one here, Coach. I, I tell you what, I'm going to give you the the chance. I'm I'm, I'm going to give you three topics. You tell me which one you want to wrap up on: scouting. Uh-huh player development or culture? I think we've kind of talked about culture a little bit. So let's go scouting or player development. Which one do you want to talk about? Uh, let's do player development. All right. All right. Uh, tell us what you're doing there to develop players there at Santa Clara, what you've learned over the years, what are the important skills to teach, uh, what are some things that you do to break that down. And, again, I'm going to let you cook, Ryan, and, and, and I'll politely interrupt when I need to. Sounds good. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, when I was at Park High School, my, my day job was working for Impact Basketball. Uh, and, and I got that connection through my brother who had uh, trained pros. His, his first basketball job out of college, he played at USC for Coach Bibby, and his first basketball job was, was working with Impact on uh, training pros. And that was another thing where I went. He was working with, with Kevin Garnett and Chauncey Billups one summer, and so I went out to Vegas to watch, and I was waiting for the – once again, the secret handshake, like, and I, and I, and at a break, I was like, Drew, they shot the same bank shot for 45 minutes, right? Like, what are we doing? 
And he goes, he goes, that's why these guys are unbelievable. They don't get bored with it. They know how that ball is going to come off the glass when it leaves their hand and on and on and on and on and on. And, and you know, not getting bored with the repetition was really what what he talked about. So I've really tried to bring that to the, to the, what we do at Santa Clara and what we did at Moorpark in terms of improving is an incredibly simple process that takes an crazy amount of dedication and commitment. Uh-huh. And... Um, you know, you see Instagram trainers. I, I, I'm not a big believer. In, I don't even love the shooting machines, which I know is sacrilegious to some. Okay. Why is that? In, why is that? I like the Dr. Dish. Tell me why. I, I don't mind them. I actually, I, I, but I, I'm a big believer. Make a friend and get a basketball and, and learn to work with your teammate. Get a Agreed. rebounder, get a passer. Agreed. And, yep. And especially in this day and age where they're so programmed to, to stare down at their phone and not connect, I'm even more. Now, I, I do think there's value in the shooting machines, but that was my original reluctance. That was like, like just get in the gym with a buddy and, and, and connect with a teammate. And some of my best friends to this day are teammates that we just knew we could sneak into the gym and, and get shots up. But, but so I think... Um, that, that incredibly simple process is, is I'm not a big believer in, you know, you got to pick up this cone and put it back down. And I'm sure that has value. And I'm sure that that's helped people somewhere. That's, that's yep. our approach is, uh, you know, I think one of the great quotes I heard recently, and, and maybe it's been around much longer is, is we got to get, I think Frank Martin said it on Twitter. I think he was one of them that said, uh, you know, we got a generation of guys that are great against cones and not against bones. And <laughs> love uh, it. Love you know, it. That's we, great. We try to introduce, you know, we do a lot of one on o, two on o, three on o, and then you know we don't really like dummy defense. Like we'll tell if it's a, if we're trying to work on something offensively, like bump them, hit them, like, and then you're worried about establishing bad defensive habits, you know, and this, that, and the other. So you you freak out and go the other way. But um, uh, you know, we really try to keep it simple. We want you to be able to hit shots off the catch. We want your footwork to be proper off the catch. We want you. Uh, you know, to be, like I mentioned earlier, dribble efficient. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I say all the time, when they pay you like James Harden, you can dribble like James Harden. And, uh, you know, and, and and James was a heck of a high school player in Southern California that didn't mm-hmm. dribble nearly as much in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Uh, and so uh, really teaching our guys to be efficient, you know, t- translating that into our style of play. You know, Vance was huge. You know, just one strong move. You know, you, you don't get yep. three in and outs and three through the legs and, and a couple behind the backs to figure out where you're going. You got to pick a hip and attack it uh, and, and go and create an angle. And if you if, if you create a little bit of help, boom, move it. You've done your job. If, if no help comes and you can finish one on one. Great. Um, really, our player development. And, and I tell guys once our season ends and we get back in the gym and, and, and through the summer and a little bit into the fall, we're going to try to build you into the most complete player we can. Mm-hmm. Now there's a time where it's got to shift towards team focus and role definition creeps in. And so, you know, guys want it, guys want the green light from three. Well, hold on. We've just worked on this for seven months and, and here's where we are. That's not best for the team right now, but you know, we open up the gym early uh, before school, uh, you know, for optional stuff here and there, you know, before and after practice, if you want to keep working, um, I, I think our player development centers on the simple, uh, for for lack of a better phrase. Yeah, I think you know. Again, you you said it really well. Uh, everybody's looking for this secret handshake and all this other stuff. Uh, you can do 
all these different cone things and 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 whatever it may be and thinking outside the box you know uh but if you can't make a layup let's just make layups first let's make layups 99 percent of the time and then let's graduate to something else let's make a good crossover dribble that doesn't get ripped 99 percent mm-hmm. of the time and then let's graduate on to something else and i think sometimes we try to put that cart uh, ahead of the proverbial horse where, well, we've got to do this. And I see this on Twitter and I see this on, on Instagram or whatever. And no, let's, our individual de- development for our program is probably really, really boring compared to a lot of other places, just because we're, we, we're struggling with making layups and taking care of the ball and that type of stuff. And once we really master those type of things, then we'll worry about really advancing it. But I think uh, when, when people see that stuff on social media, they think, well, I'm not doing this, so I've got to implement that. And it's like, no, that's that's for the one percenters. Most of us have yeah. the ni- most of us have the ninety nine percenters. And, and let's do the stuff that's going to take care of the ninety nine percenters before we start worrying about the one percent. The, the the best pl- I agree with you 100. percent The best players I've ever coached at any level that get to you know even if they're not one percenters overall but they're one percenters within a certain skill set if you will they they've mastered the simple before they get there and and our guys are probably sick of hearing me say you know I yell every time we're driving in traffic they hear me yell, two feet two feet two feet you mm-hmm. know and and they're sick of hearing me say it but. Jalen Jalen Brunson made himself whatever it is 140 million dollars by playing on two feet, yep. and and he's a heck of a talent. I don't need to minimize his talent nope, uh, nope. By, by saying that, but but the I whole Villanova thing, the, yeah, yeah. I tell our guys all the time, you know, the Euro step has got to be a counter move. Yeah, that's not your, you know, you got to be able to play off two feet before you can go to the Euro. And mm-hmm. and I I said, you know, I I tell our guys all the time, highlights tend to happen when you're playing really hard and you're playing the right way. Mm-hmm. They're not guys hunting a, you know, there's times, and, and I think, you know, the Fab Five kind of popularized it uh, for, for coaches of our generation a lot of ways. There's times the behind-the-back pass is the right pass. Yep. There's times it's not. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the Fab Five kind of brought that into vogue in terms of it doesn't have to just be a flashy play. Sometimes that is the right pass. Sometimes a shovel pass or the one-handed pass or the look-off is the right pass, but you've got to be able to do the really – you've got to be able to deliver a chest pass up the wing to a wide-open guy first. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's why when I say we, we center on the simple, um, you know, I think guys that, sit, that, that concentrate and master the simple are prepared to make a counter mm-hmm. at some point. You know, I went to – you know, we're lucky enough to be in, in Omaha here and, and – Creighton, you know, the CHI Center is 15 minutes mm-hmm. away from my house. And long story short, my wife and I, I, I think I've told this story on the pod before, but I know it's been a while since I told this story, so I feel like it's relevant. Uh, my boss, my, my wife's boss has season tickets to, to Creighton, and we went down there, and, and he was really willing to, to give us uh, it was a year Creighton was was ranked like fifth, sixth in the country. They were undefeated, and, and Villanova was ranked second or third. I think it was Villanova's 2018 championship team. Mm-hmm. And so I told my wife, we're getting down there really, really early, A, to beat the crowd, but B, I want to watch Villanova warm up. And again, like your wife, she should be in heaven uh, already <laughs> being a coach. You know, it's 25 years for us here in a, in a, in a few weeks. Yeah. So, oh, thank you very much. And, and so she was very nice to accommodate me and all Villanova did 
was two foot jump shots, uh, jump stops throughout their entire warm up. And and again, you're waiting for this uh, magic thing, and it was it was one count jump stops, playing off two feet, kicking out with a simple bounce pass. Uh, I mean, thumbs down, you know, just old school. And, and it was just like, yeah, I mean, that's just it. And and for me, for me, uh, you know, to go Michael Scott on you here, it was a little epiphory uh, for me where it was like, man, if Jay Wright's doing this, it's got to be good enough for us. And, and we referenced it in practice uh, the next few days about how, hey, you know, this is the way you, you know, and, and so forth and so on. And, and I and I really think that's such a, a terrific blueprint to follow when you're talking about that player development is simple 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 make those simple plays and once you have completely mastered the simple stuff then feel like you can branch out to all the other crazy things that you see well i think jay wright like i think that's the perfect example and it sums up so many of the topics we touched on today you know commitment to the process not letting uh results skew your vision uh commitment to the simple uh, staying committed to that simple and seeing it through. I mean, I mean, there were a large contingency of Villanova people that wanted Jay Wright fired very yep. early on in that process. And, and he stayed committed and, and committed to his process and his way. And I'm sure he changed some things and adapted that he learned. It's, it's Absolutely. not yep. unflinching commitment doesn't mean unflexible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think, uh, you know, he stayed committed to that and he got that group early on the kind with, with Alan Ray and those guys. And, uh, and Kyle Lowry was part of that group and, uh, they kind of turned the tide for him, especially in local recruiting. And, and now, you know, Jay Wright retires a legend that nobody could ever imagine. You know, people want, you know, I'm sure there's people in West Virginia that want Jay Wright to come out of retirement and coach. And, and nobody saw that coming, you know, whatever it is 20 years ago now at the first two three years at villanova and and it just it's so refreshing that you can commit to stuff the right way and get it done if you're in a, in the proper environment there's a lot of other things around your administration and, and stuff that has to go right but if you find that right spot and you can plow ahead you're, you're, you're gonna get it done yep absolutely so ryan moore head boys basketball coach at santa clara high school oxnard california coach if if folks want to know more about your uh program how can they find some stuff social media internet all that other fun stuff yeah we're on twitter i am uh i am trying to be a little less uh active on my personal twitter if you will it it, it, i'm in commit to uh our program this summer but but i'm on twitter uh our program's on twitter uh sc saints basketball um uh, we're on Instagram. Uh, I'm not embracing the TikTok scene for high school basketball just yet. Um, <laughs> but uh, my email is uh, is on our school's website, SantaClaraHighSchool.com. Anything you know, if they ever want to know, or if a question comes up, and or I can point them in the right direction, uh, you know, uh, with, with anybody I've worked with, I'm, I'm more than happy to do so. All right. Great stuff uh, this morning into the early afternoon here in, in Nebraska. You're still in the morning there uh, in California. But, uh, Ryan, I really appreciate your time here today, and, and I hope you enjoyed your time on a pen and a napkin. Uh, it was absolutely my honor, my pleasure. I appreciate it, uh, and I can't wait to dive into the archives now. Uh, I got, uh, from your count earlier, I got about, from the two I listed, I got 177, 178 <laughs> to go to catch up now. But I got... 
I got a good little commute to campus in the morning, so uh, I'm going to knock them out over the next couple weeks here. Well, I tell you what, next time you're cruising down the PCH with your rag top down so your hair can blow, <laughs> throw in a little pen and a napkin, and uh, you know I'll be thinking of those California waves as, as, as it's happening for you. How about that? Absolutely. Will do, and I appreciate it. Yeah, all right. Hey, thanks, Ryan. Why don't you hold the line here a second while we wrap up. Again, Ryan Moore, head boys basketball coach, Santa Clara High School, Oxnard, California. Great conversation here today. We want to thank COSAC Chiropractic for being our founding sponsor. Can't thank Dr. Kevin, Dr. Heidi enough. Went in there earlier this week, was having some headache issues. I don't know if it was my kids or my uh, the job or whatever it was. I haven't had a headache in like four days. And that's all due to Dr. Kevin and Dr. Heidi. So thanks so much for that. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. Download, rate, review again. Subscribe. Do anything that you can to help out. Uh, questions, comments, suggestions, ideas. Email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Check out a pen and a napkin.com. We've got videos. We've got uh, we've got gear. We've got booklets. We've got a lot of different things on 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 uh, available for you to help yourself. So, coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.